welcome back to another episode of Bitch Breathe. My name is Ricardia. So today I'm going to talk about a topic that technically speaking might not necessarily sound very funny. But I had actually thought about making a stand-up comedy of it once because after the experiences, and there were quite a few, were over, I thought it was kind of funny how I had gone about it, how I had walked into all the traps and... Um, situations that apparently are very predictable and very common. And I thought that that is just such a funny thing. But um, jokes aside, I will put out this disclaimer. If you find yourself in a situation that is uh, obviously physically or in any way dangerous to you, you're obviously going to get help and, um, you know, take care of yourself. But that's not the kind of situation I'm going to talk about today. So the title of the episode is Narcissists Welcome. <laughs> that was also going to be the title of the stand-up comedy. Hey, maybe I'll still do it. So why am I going to talk about narcissists today? I don't have a psychology degree. Um, what I do have, fortunately or unfortunately, is a lot of experience. Maybe there's a narcissist inside me too, and that's why I know about it. A lot of times I just met them and didn't know that I had just made the acquaintance of a wonderfully self-involved uh, guy, to put it mildly. So um, that brings me to my first point. There's all kinds, right? I mean, even though I thought mine, some of mine seemed to have read in the handbook of Narcissist 101 or something, um, others were not so obvious to me. I had very friendly narcissists who weren't at all, you know, verbally abusive or mean or all the other things we by now know about them. In fact, they were just very friendly and very negligent, um, which brings me to a self-care note. If any of you knows me personally and you see me talking to a musician, for the love of God, drop everything you're doing and get me out of that room because I am getting ready to ruin my life. Okay, that was my little health disclaimer for me. But um, for real now, so there are other friendly narcissists who are just very self-involved. A lot of times for me, like that uh, story I just uh, hinted at, were uh, musicians or artists or just people who had um, incredibly interesting passions and talents. And I was drawn to them like a moth to the light, just loved being in that creative energy. Um, of course, sometimes they felt that they were inspired by me. I mean, how great is that? <laughs> Apropos being a narcissist yourself. Um, so there's just so much energy around uh, this kind of person who often is very talented, um, I also found that they were very charismatic a lot of times, either super funny, um, charming, knowledgeable. Intelligence was a huge sort of aphrodisiac for me. I mean, it still is. I don't want to talk to a complete doofus. But, <laughs> but I'm just saying it doesn't have to be like the thing. Um, and a lot of them had a, quite a physical attraction to me, not so much because they were physically attractive, because a lot of times, ironically, they weren't. Um, but because of that energy, right, there's a certain charge to someone who's so single-minded and so focused on what they do or what they want to create, um, you know, that's more the noble side. There was also the kind that just loved to hear himself talk. 
Keep in mind, I realize I'm sitting in a bit of a glass house here because I have a podcast. <laughs> Apparently, I also like to hear myself talk. <laughs> but um, these guys would talk a lot and not say so much. So that was another thing that I sort of got caught up in at the beginning and didn't really notice. Um, and generally, I thought later, once I listened a little bit more closely to Fleetwood Mac's dreams, and um, I think it's Carly Simon's You're So Vain. <laughs> I think generally speaking, if your guy or your gal, because I, I met women this way, uh, who were like this too, if they look in any way like the guy who's being described in those songs, beware is all I can say. So... Um, I thought today I would talk a little bit about the hmm, the things to look out for. I don't think this will necessarily save you from meeting them because it didn't save me. Um, because if we keep being attracted to this kind of guy, uh, maybe you want to refer back to my second episode. It's called Little Girls with Daddy Issues. So if we have a lot of issues inside us that absolutely offer up the fodder for a narcissist, then knowing what they look like isn't going to help, right? So I really am coming at this from more of a humorous angle today, because I think there's a lot of actually very good literature out there on narcissists. And I think there used to be an Instagram page about, um, you know, following a narcissist or something along those lines. So there's a lot of very, very good information out there about it. And I don't feel hyper qualified to, um, you know, compete with that. But there are a few things that, especially in one, my, my longest term relationship, I should say, that could have been warning signs at the beginning. I think even they came, but they didn't fully register. And um, where at least then still deciding to go ahead with this relationship, I could have at least been on the lookout a little bit more, a little bit more self-aware and a little bit further into the recognition that there's a pattern. They, um, I hate the idea of us and they because I always think everyone who we meet is a reflection of us, unfortunately, but I'm going to say they for now because I'm missing a better pronoun. Um, they, they often do behave in similar ways. There are things I discovered afterward that I thought, Jesus, did he read the book? <laughs> like, how could he possibly fulfill nine out of 10 criteria for being the perfect narcissist? So um, I want to talk a little bit about those, but from my own perspective, because I think that's the most authentic service I can, I can bring. So um, with my guy, it started out like insanely romantically. Um, he, he was a very smart guy, uh, not much of a, you know, not much to look at, my mom would say. <laughs> at the beginning, at least, he sort of then reached his 40s and became, you know, that, that cliche of men in their 40s and being more attractive. But he wasn't at the beginning, so it wasn't that. Um, sorry, I just totally went off on a completely different track there. No, but um, so he was um, super charismatic and smart, and he just pursued me in a way that didn't make me suspicious. I mean, maybe my ears should have perked up when he um, pursued me in a very gentle way, even though he was still in a relationship. 
Now, keep in mind, nothing ever happened. I want to say that up front, that we didn't have an affair. Um, but he started to, we just started to sort of work together. He would help me out with my CV, and we would just throw emails back and forth. We didn't even live in the same city. So it all seemed super harmless, and I didn't really think that this was going to be anything. It was just sort of a friendly, it wasn't even a proper flirt at the beginning, I want to say. It was just a friendly sort of banter. But that should have been my first cue, that this guy is in a relationship. And to just think for a moment, if my guy were sending these kind of emails or investing this amount of time in another woman that he might find attractive, then maybe I should be paying attention. Pay attention. I, however, did not. I just thought, oh, this is just a lovely little, you know, exchange in an otherwise maybe dull day. So if they're already in a relationship, obviously the most obvious one, possibly a bad idea to um, further engage, even on a friendly level when you feel like there's another pulse to the conversation. So when it did become clear that he was fully romantically interested, I try to break off contact. I felt that I had gone way too far. I felt super guilty. Um, there was a child on that side of the relationship. There was on mine, but obviously for different reasons, this didn't play as much a role for now. And um, he decided to leave. So that happened very quickly. And at the time I thought, oh, what a great guy. He's just doing this so surgically clean so that nobody gets dragged into any sort of messy affair thing or anything. And um, we're just not going to do anything that is in any way ambiguous. So I thought, wow, this guy is so in love with me. I mean, think about it. He's going to leave his relationship with this child in the picture for me. I mean, how many 10 times of great must I be for this really, really interesting, charismatic, smart guy to leave? And what I probably can only guess is an equally interesting, um, smart partner. So my whole idea of how great I am completely drowned out the noise that this decision should have made, which was, wait, how can he leave so quickly? And with a baby involved or a small child in the picture, that's that's a little strange, isn't it? But because he had never alluded to any marriage problems before, I thought, oh, he just thought I was, you know, the woman of his dreams. And that's why he's leaving. So happily sort of dormant in this illusion, um, we did become a couple. And he very, very quickly talked about moving in permanently and wanting to marry me. Um me, I'm thinking, wow, this guy is really serious. He's talking marriage. This is not one of those guys who's a complete commitment phobic. Um, he's real. He's um, dedicated to me. Wow, this is it. I just I pretty much hit the jackpot here because this guy is totally for real. Then I read about it later and, and then I thought about it more importantly later who in the world claims within the first couple weeks of being with you that you're the woman of their dreams and they want to marry you? I mean, I get the whole a honeymoon phase and everyone's in love and, you know, there are strong words, even stronger emotions. We've all been there. We've all done it. Hopefully, maybe not so fortunately, several times. That's totally fine. Of course, you're in love and the hormones are all over the fucking place, right? But if someone 
who's already in their early to mid-30s, and so are you, talking about this kind of lifelong commitment that quickly, some alarm system should be jumping on right about now at a really loud amplitude. So there was my other cue that just totally didn't hit me at all. Again, I've got my own responsibility in there, right? Like, I thought I was so great that I had completely, I mean, the guy was basically seeing God because I suddenly showed up on the stage. So uh, that was another little misunderstanding. Um, The other thing that I uh, would have liked to have noticed, but I didn't, was that guy just took over my life. He completely took care of me. He began to manage me professionally. He would always send me presents. If I had a new interest, he would send me a present related to that. Um, He would cook. He would really, really, um, you know, help with my kid and was very involved and engaged in this whole family thing and really sort of honing in on this whole family unit thing really, really fast. And I thought, uh, wow. I'm finally going to be in a proper family, like with someone who's committed to me and my child who loves my son. Um, It seemed so perfect. I mean, I think, oh, yes, now I remember. I should have probably also been aware that he said something to me that totally also just flew over my head. He said, you know, single moms are really the, the easiest women. And I looked at him at the time. I said, oh, that's really mean. And he said, No, I I don't mean it mean, but they're just super grateful. It doesn't matter what you do. They just are so grateful that you're there. Now, if that is not a warning sign, like, hello, here's a bouquet of 10 red flags. Would you like it? I'm like, nah, I'm good. We're fine over here. So um, he actually said to me how easy a prey I was. And here I was thinking, oh, man, he's really smart. I'm so glad. He doesn't mean me by that. Like, I didn't think he meant me. Um, That's how in love and grateful, he was so right, and grateful I was for him showing up in my life. So his whole idea of taking care of me, of really integrating and installing himself in my family, um, it was such a great thing, and it was such a control mechanism, because now he had me by the short and curlies, right? He was managing and therefore controlling really every aspect of my life that was important. It was a friendly control for the very longest of times, and I didn't even notice. I was so happy to give up my chores, some of them, happy to hand over the responsibility. I had been making my own decisions for so long and my own decisions for me and my child. I was just happy to delegate and I didn't see any danger in it. Um, Now, some of you are probably sitting there right now and thinking like, girl, what is your problem? How did you not recognize some of the things he's doing? But um, to my own defense, if you've ever been in love and a single mom and um, also really, really influenced by Hollywood. So if all those things come together, then maybe, maybe you'd have found yourself in the same situation. I hope not. But um, yeah, I just wanted to send that ahead. Um, Another little sign. Actually, this is a really big one. And it's one, it's a tool, actually, that I have been using around people in general ever since I came to know it. And that is, how do you feel after this person is over? So this was uh, specifically interesting when I was dating another guy who was one of my friendlier narcissists. 
<laughs> and a musician. Um, so he would promise me things that were just so great. And I kept telling myself, girl, you have no right to believe in his promises. He's made a lot of empty promises before. Don't even listen. But promises he would still make. And then he would write a song about me. And I was younger, obviously. Actually, it happened to me again when I was older, to be honest. And um, there was all this sort of energy around me, me, me. And here comes my narcissistic thing, right? Where I was just like, wow, this guy is like totally, I'm like his muse or something. <laughs> See why I wanted to make this a comedy? I'm laughing so hard about this sometimes because I feel like I'm going to have to laugh about just how foolish I acted sometimes because otherwise I would just would just you know, have a cry about it all day, every day. But so he, as this friendly narcissist, um, would lift me to the heavens. You know, he would tell me how smart I was. Um, he would share his thoughts with me, what was not working in his life. And I would coach him through it because that was the kind of gal I was. Let me fix this guy. He's obviously this broken artist type. The guy needs my earthy help. And so I stayed in that for a while in this trap of, you know, being valuable because now I'm helping somebody. But when we separated, I mean, when we left for that day or whatever, I felt really drained. I felt lonely. I felt empty. There was this vacuous sort of space and I drowned in it. I would cry because I never knew when was I going to see him next because we were never able to make plans. And um, he didn't plan away in advance. He would just call me that day and be like, hey, you want to hang out? And so I felt so, so abandoned when the guy was gone that I would just cry and slip into light depressions every time until my next fix came at this point now. And uh, that brings me to my next point. I, it was like a junkie. And I think this sort of behavior is described a lot when it comes to being involved with narcissists. So this is also my last uh, point. If you are constantly on this extreme high and an extreme low, then chances are you have yourself a full-fledged narcissist on your hands. Because if they're not giving back, if there's no give parallel to the take, then you're the one offering it up. You're the one who's serving. You're always available or, you know, trying to help out and so. But keep in mind that if you don't feel good after you've sort of broken up for the day or left each other, something's not right. And your system is telling you that this guy is draining you. He's not good for you. Um, or this woman, I also dated a woman who was heavy, heavy with the narcissistic behavior. Um, uh, so it's, it's really, it's really a matter of what is your feeling after they leave? Don't analyze it too much. Just just look at it. Do you feel energized? Do you feel inspired? Do you want to go about your own life? Do you have energy, right? So all these questions, if you have to answer those with a no, you're probably in a really, really um, dire situation with a narcissist there. So I'm probably going to make a second episode. I just thought about it now about this because I think there's so much to say. And I also want to listen to your comments or read some of your comments first and maybe integrate them into our next episode because I think this subject, um, though I now can laugh about it a lot, at the time it, it wasn't very funny at all. 
It was really hard to get away from them and to actually end up leaving them, which is what I did. So I, I really want to have a good, a solid conversation, preferably with you and your comments about this. So I hope um, you're in a situation where you can also find some humor about the kinds of encounters that you've had. And uh, maybe you want to share some anecdotes with me, with us, on the um, Facebook group that we have. It's called Bitch Breathe. Or please feel free to write to me. Uh, I have an email address for you. It's bitchbreathe at gmx.com. If you happen to speak German, Tuesday nights on Clubhouse, that new app that, especially in Germany, everybody's super into, I have a room with another woman, a good friend of mine, Karina. I'll say the German name because it'll only make sense if you speak German. So ein Frauenzimmer. And it's every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Berlin time. I would love for you to join us there because we also talk about topics that we feel hopefully are helpful to women, but also men, especially at this time of the pandemic. All righty. So I really, really hope to hear from you. I can't wait to hear if you have any stories or little wisdoms maybe you want to share. Until then, stay well. Stay well.